Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome to another very late episode of Fan Team Radio. I'm your host, Shyam Khan, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Odi Odorizzi. Uh, today we're breaking down the 2023 Qatar Grand Prix. We're going to be talking about Max's third title. He won it in another unconventional manner. Uh, we'll talk about McLaren uh, back-to-back podiums with momentum swinging in their favor for the final five races of the year. And we'll bring up some other uh, hot, controversial topics. Uh, Chris, what's up? Hey, if they think it's hot in Qatar, just wait till they get to Austin in a couple of weeks in Texas, man. It's going to be oh, boiling. Yeah. 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 Uh, Even when it's I, October, it's boiling. Yeah, you and I both know that well. It's been uh, uncharacteristically hot this year. Um, but yeah, man, we've been we're in Qatar this week, not in Japan. Unfortunately, you know, we missed a week. We both have a. Uh, uh, some relocation going on in our life, but we'll just chalk it up to that and uh, and moving on. Um, but yeah, uh, Max take his third title in an un- another unconventional way. You know, the controversy in Abu Dhabi and then the uh, points miscalculation the second year. And uh, finally, this year, making something of uh, a sprint race, making them relevant, uh, which was... Uh, you know, I think he needed like three points to clench the title, and then in another hilarious moment, uh, clenches the title when Checo crashes out mid race. So it was like not even the pomp and circumstance of winning the title as you cross the checkered flag, even in the sprint race, <laughs> he's been declared WDC mid race because uh, Checo gets out. So, but you it's know, almost like they don't even care to celebrate or even make an attempt at standardizing a world championship celebration. Chris, imagine if the Boston Red Sox won the 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 World Series after 80 years of not winning shit and they win it like in the penultimate game of like 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 just based on the point system. What what kind of celebration would they have had? Like just a moderate one with knowing they have one more game left with really nothing at stake there. Like, what did that like? What other sport has a celebration that pans out like this? Yeah, I actually this crossed my mind the entire uh, the the few hours after the race, and I was thinking to myself, I was saying like, what other sport doesn't have that moment? where there's like a game clenching title like this this seems to be the only sport that I can think of you know just motorsport in general that you can have a title one mid-race mid-season and and not like go into some sort of playoff theories where like it's all on the line and the lot like Abu Dhabi was the closest thing we had to that where it was like going in to the final race of the year tied and it was all about the controversy and who could finish in, in the end. But, like, yeah, like, I honestly, I don't know how to fix the system. But it does feel a little deflating to have the championship over mid-sprint race and, you know, nothing to look forward to for the last five races other than, like, you know, this resurgence of uh, McLaren we'll talk about in a minute and, you know, the battle between Ferrari and Mercedes. But... Ultimately, at the end of the day, will we really care? Yeah, I mean, I guess this is just another one of those things that are inherent to the sport. Um, I don't really see any other way around it other than making other teams better. 
<laughs> and, and, and giving giving them Red Bull secrets. I, I mean, that probably seems like the best way to 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 do this. Um, but you know, in in keeping with the same thread of uh, of thinking, you know, congrats to Max winning the his third title. Uh, and, and you know, undisputable how he won it this season. What I really wanted to focus on, Chris, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is how bad it made Checo look. And the position that it puts Danny Ricardo in, because now you're coming in Danny Ricardo as someone who left the team initially because, you know, I think, I don't know if you recall, but Christian Horner put it as, you know, he didn't want to take it to, you know, he didn't want to take the fight to Max. And you're leaving. And then after several years, you come back and Max has only gotten insanely better. Uh, and the team has kind of, galvanized behind him even more what's there really to expect for the second seat there you know Checo I guess some can make the argument that if Max just wins outright there's really no more pressure on Checo everything's kind of back to you know normal no one's really going to care about what his performance is like for the last couple races but it's he's seeming to look starkly bad like noticeably bad you know in comparison to to max and i'd love to just get your thoughts on you know what do you think happens to checo right now do you think he looks even worse in you know in light of max's uh championship and and his blunders or do you think it's really just writing out the rest of his contract here and that he'll get a chance to go through next year um and then you know they'll reconsider everything in 2016, 2026, sorry. Where do you think this D2 driver position goes now that Max has won his third championship and kind of stapled the fact that he is the best driver on the grid with a team fully behind him? Yeah, I mean, I think like my personal opinion about Sergio is that this is the beginning of the end of his career. I think his... I think his problems are largely mental. I think Max's, um, you know, not only his dominant performance, but his improvement year over year has like shown Checo that his prime is over. Like he obviously has talent. He's a, a decent driver, but I think at the start of the year, and I think at the start of the last two years that Checo was able to put some points on the board and like take the fight to max at the very early part of the season and then just completely fell off the cliff. I think that just showed Checo that his, you know, it's like coming of the realization that like your time is done. Your, your knees are no longer there. You know, you're 40 and, you know, can't, can't compete anymore. And you have to come to that hard truth. And I think his mental issues are getting in the way. You know, I've seen a couple of instances of him, like crashing or making big mistakes out of what appears to be frustration or desperation, just like trying to put a little too much into the car and then just overextending. And, you know, that's just not how a Formula One driver is going to to succeed. So I think, I I don't know exactly what Red Bull is going to do. I think that at the end of the day, next year would be Checo's last, if not sooner. But I think Red Bull needs to be careful here because, you know, they have their poster boy, but there is definitely potential for him pulling a Nico 
uh, Rosberg and just bouncing out at any moment. Could be this year, could be next year. I mean, it could be never. He could write out his contract and win eight titles. But, um, you know, let's say that Max does pull a Nico Rosberg and they're left with Checo and an empty seat and everyone else is under contracts. So I definitely think that Checo needs to go at some point and they need to get a capable D2 driver, someone that can actually put podiums on without Max and and then, you know, try to pick up a Piastri or Orlando or somebody who can take the take title fights in, in a Red Bull car. Uh, but the driver market is, you know, difficult. You have to be careful. And I don't think Checo's the one to fill that seat. And uh, I don't, honestly, I don't think Danny is either. Um, but what I want to happen is for the last five races, put Max in the AlphaTauri and just start putting random drivers in that Red Bull and see what happens. <laughs> I would love to see. Could you imagine if uh, Max sits in an AlphaTauri and podiums in that thing? That would be ridiculous. And like, I, I'm of the opinion, why not? But obviously that's not going to happen. I mean, that might be the biggest fuck you to the entire grid from Red Bull if that happens. Uh, it's essentially <laughs> saying like, hey, guys, we literally could care less. So we're just using the rest of this race as this testing grounds for 2025, uh, which, you know, I would actually hopefully would get a fire under Mercedes ass, but whatever. It takes. I thought- so yeah. you know, so I think I think I think you had mentioned, uh, Chris, that Sergio's forty. He's he's actually thirty three. Uh, no, I was just still, saying, like, know, I was referencing <laughs> that, like, he's getting up there in age, and you know, yeah, he he is. He is, you know, as 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 a driver, he's already on the on the later end of of his career. Uh, so definitely, I can see this being his last stunt, only if the driver pool wasn't so. Uh, you know, kind of scarce for other teams. Uh, I still think he has a, a good race in him or two. I don't think, you know, he's going to be competing for the top of the grid anytime uh, soon after this, this, uh, this drive. Some places that are interesting co- to consider are, you know, uh, 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 why am I losing their Alpine? I was going to call them force India for some reason, but because he, <laughs> he raced her as force India, that's why. But Alpine, I think, would be an interesting place for him to to check out. Uh, I don't think one of the developer, uh, uh, you know, teams like Williams or AlphaTauri are gonna be, you know, a good fit. Uh, the way that uh, they're moving into or Alfa Romeo is moving into Audi, I don't really see him being uh, a driver that they'd probably get too excited about with their brand. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the pickings are kind of slim for Sergio Perez, but given the fact that some of these teams like Haas, like they just don't have, uh, a huge pool that they can take drivers from in 2026 when the major shakeup happens, I still think he might have a, a drive. It just won't be with the top team. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, I, I mentioned this before. I don't think Danny Ricardo is there to be a D2 material. I just really don't see what forward progress the team makes as a whole taking a driver back who initially left because he did, you know, he just didn't want to compete with max and max has only gotten better. And, and quite frankly, Daniel has only gotten worse. So as much as I love him as, you know, he's a fan favorite, he's a favorite mine. Uh, I just don't think that's going to be a suitable spot for him to go into, into D two position there. Uh, but you know, they have a stable of, of other talent, Liam Lawson being my front runner, 
Uh, I also don't think Yuki is just there yet. I, I honestly think Yuki's probably going to hit a potential plateau before uh, before Liam does. I think Liam has a lot less time, or sorry, sorry, a lot more time to make up the talent delta than than Yuki does at this point. Um, so I, I just, you know, if if anyone's going to be getting that D two position, I, I really do put my money on on Liam Lawson getting that uh getting that shot 100%. Cool. So let's let's actually pivot here to to McLaren. Um you know, they're firing on all cylinders Chris and and surely just based on the the quick and consistent timing from their pit crew, uh I just think that they're on the upwards trend right now. Uh something I've noticed interestingly and 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 and, and feel free to chime in here. I've noticed that when a team's pit crew is just killing it rock solid that it's actually a really good indicator of the team's overall health especially in that weekend uh what say you yeah first of all on the topic hats off to them i believe that it was a new uh record for fastest pit stop ever yeah 1.8 um, seconds 1.8 seconds yeah the even the announcers uh, we're like trying to determine whether it was a timing glitch. Uh, but no, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, but it, it makes a lot of sense, right? You you have good morale on a team. You know, when you work in a company and like everyone's being successful, everyone's making money, you know, the product's selling well, all that kind of stuff. Everyone works a little harder and everyone's more enjoyable to work around and things like that. So McLaren's had this resurgence, which probably you know, puts a little undue pressure onto the, to the pit crew to basically be like, Hey, we have a car that can perform, make podiums, potential wins. We need to be firing on all cylinders, like, as you said. And so the pit crew probably puts in extra reps. They're a little bit more focused, a little bit more home. They understand the stakes at having a sexual pick stop. You know, if you're fighting for P14 and you're in an alpha and, you know, you could have a two second pit stop or a five second pit stop and, you're not getting points either way, you know, it's probably a low morale and, uh, you know, there's a lot less incentive to try hard. So, you know, I think the McLaren pit crew has done a fascinating job, amazing job. I believe like two years ago, they were pretty bad if I, if I, my memory recollects. So, um, yeah, hats off to them performing and, uh, it's amazing to see this resurgence from the team and what they're starting to accomplish. And I'm excited to see what that means for next year. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, you're absolutely right. When a team or a corporation or anything is, you know, is firing on all cylinders and every department is doing well and, you know, your main star attractions are are also doing well, it just makes it a lot easier to kind of not just hold everyone accountable, but lend a helping hand, right? I think when you see certain pit crews uh, in cutaway shots, uh, especially when a crash happens, they all look visibly tense. And and when that carries out into a pit stop, you can, it, it's such a physical flowy type of, you know, 
exercise that you have to do there to make sure the entire unit moves as one. And, 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 and it's hard to do that when there's stress just in the air, but if there's good feelings and, you know, positive uh, momentum that can be felt, that can be seen in a pit crew. So I always wanted to point that out because a pit crew does seem like a living organism just in itself and a great, like, uh, I guess, uh, uh, metric of, of, of gauging whether, a team is doing really well that weekend or if they're they're having a tough weekend. So just wanted to uh, kind of make a note of that. Another thing I want to make a note of is, Chris, this might be the most pressure Landon Nora has, has been under in his career. Uh, and it's from a rookie that posts comparable and sometimes better performances while keeping his cool at all times, and, you know, in, a, in, a, in the Aussie fashion. I'm starting to think the Starboy effect that Lando had for the past two, three years may start to have run its course. What What do you think? What do you think the dynamics at uh, McLaren are? You know, given Oscar's just recent surge, um, but then also some of the, you know, frustrations that Lando might be trying to at least hide on the surface level. Yeah, I mean, hats off again to to Piastri taking. You know, a first race win, given it, it was the sprint versus a Grand Prix, that's still to come. But um, I I had instincts that Piastri was going to be the real deal when he came in. I mean, he's one of uh, a few drivers that you can count the number on your hand that has won every, uh, you know, racing league that he's been in from like GP3 to F2, F3. He's won his uh you know inaugural year that he raced in those and basically had nowhere to go but up uh and frankly he should have been an f1 last year but had to sit out just because there literally wasn't a seat for him so um but yeah lando you could tell he's visibly frustrated he's uh you know he unfortunately uh had some rain come down in sochi a couple years ago ruined his final lap and you know he made that the call to stay out and the right call was for enters, but you know, can't blame him for the decision. It was impossible to know uh, at the time, especially as a driver. And then, you know, he had team orders to stay behind Danny Rick at Monza last year uh, or uh, two years ago, or was that, was that last year or two years ago? Anyways, um, you know, when they, when they won Monza and, you know, it was just one of those things where like, he feels like he should be that star boy. He feels like he should be a race winner. He feels like he should be, you know, the next max. Um, and frankly, he has the talent, but I think Oscar is probably a little bit more raw talented. And like you said, he keeps this cool. The guy doesn't seem to overreact. He doesn't seem to let anything, the pressure get to him. And um, unfortunately for Lando, I think Oscar might, uh, slowly start eking him out a little bit. But it's going to be an interesting dynamic in the team, especially if they have this competitive of a card next year from day one. Um, what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, you know, I had my reservations about Oscar Piastri coming in just because he kind of he came at a time with, with two, three other rookies, right? And something about rookies is... You know, I kind of painted them all with the same brush because I just didn't really know what to expect. Uh, you know, Nick DeVries came in and kind of shit the bed, and that was easier to anticipate. Um, 
you know, Logan came in and had a lot of great, you know, sparks, I guess you could say, to start the year, which I anticipated that that was just going to keep growing and, and kind of becoming more and more consistent, but it's actually kind of reeled back a little bit. Um, and then you have Oscar where he's in a McLaren that didn't hit their preseason targets by any means. And then they're promising these upgrades that happen through the year, but then upgrades, you don't really know how to, you know, expect uh, whether they're going to be good or they're not going to have any effect at all. And then we see that as the car matures more and Oscar and Lando are on even footing. Now we see, you know, we definitively see Oscar coming out as the best rookie of the year. But then he's now also showing that he is better than potentially better than his um his uh his 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 D one driver. And that's that's something I was not anticipating at all. If anything, I was kind of anticipating that someone will show up as like the best rookie, but they would, you know, they wouldn't essentially become a better driver than the incumbent uh, driver that's already in the team. And Oscar's really shown that too, right? So he's not only set himself head and shoulders above the other rookies in his class and, and Liam Lawson coming in strong. Um, he's also set himself head to head with Lando Norris, which I just think is incredibly impressive. And for him to keep his cool, especially when, you know, he got delivered that the, the shitty news about his five second penalty, uh, the way that he did, you know, he took it in stride and, and the guy, the guy doesn't buck, you know, I think he's, he's in, he, you know, it's easy to root for him. And I think that was something that played against Lando when he first started is, he wasn't really that easy to like and and to this day i don't think he's really changed a whole lot um so yeah you know you know how much i feel about just like the 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 energy around a driver like if they're a good hang or not right and i just feel like uh oscar piastri is not just a great driver but i feel like he'd be a good hang yeah uh i fully agree and um you know the the only caveat I'll put in there is that it still feels like Lando has maybe a very, very, very slight edge in race pace over Oscar. The difference, I think, is that Oscar is making less mistakes. Um, you know, Lando seems to be a little bit faster, but occasionally uh, has a mistake or two, and mistakes cost you dearly in Formula One. You know, when you're racing for hundreds or thousands of a second, a mistake usually takes tenths off of that. And so, you know, Lando I guess, was going... I guess you have to I guess, I guess you have to ask yourself also then, are those mistakes due to the fact that he's pushing himself to the limits at all times and maybe has in the back of his mind that, you know, Piastri is, 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 has naturally more raw talent than him? You know, is, is that concern at the back of his head maybe pushing or incur you know influencing these decisions to to push a little bit harder and and then put him in compromised positions to go off track um so you know just just food for thought yeah i definitely think that time will tell um you know especially going these last five races into next year um you know oscar will go from being a rookie into someone who has a year under the uh, a car under their belt. And um, we'll either see these two go head to head race after race, 
or we might see uh, Oscar, you know, coast off into the distance. And I think, like you said, Lando is feeling that pressure because, you know, like how bad would it be? How unlucky would you be in your own head when you finally get, you know, the Red Bull junior car in terms of pace and having a rocket ship under you. And then your rookie teammate, you know, takes away your glory and, and it's got to be frustrating. So I'm sure he's pushing himself to the limit, but we'll see if he can hang it. Yeah. So, you know, going from, and, you know, the, the, the conversations out there is uh, McLaren has, you know, arguably the best driver pairing, uh, which, you know, I, 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 I disagree with. I think they might have the second best driver pairing. Um, so I want to talk about the first best driver pairing, which is Mercedes, uh, except for this week. This week they were not the best driver <laughs> pairings. They're actually the worst driver pairings this week. Um and 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 I do blame my 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 man Lewis Hamilton for the turn one incident into George Russell trying to go around the outside. Um not a whole lot left to say for me here that hasn't been said already by everyone else in the world in the F1 world. Um you know, not a mistake that Lewis Hamilton makes a lot. Uh I guess he just got a bit too cavalier going into the first turn. Uh, really could have used all those points, especially now in the year since McLaren is catching up, Ferrari is closing the Delta. Um, you know, Checo, I guess, is in a place now where he's probably going to run away with with P two, but Lewis could have definitely fought uh, a little bit more for, for to make up that position. Um, just a tough week for uh for Mercedes and Lewis, but a good week for George, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more, um, in in our in our winners and losers. Uh, but I definitely think that if they started up where they should have in the grid position in in P two P three, uh, that they could probably have eked out double podiums in place of McLaren, uh. I just don't see the Aston Martin, especially with Fernando having the kind of day that he had this week, uh, or or even the Ferrari, or I mean only Charles, I guess, uh, to to have been able to catch up. So I'd love to get your thoughts real quickly on Mercedes, uh, Chris. We don't have to harp on it too much. Uh, not a whole lot that we can really say here. Uh, but I'd love to get your thoughts on on their week this um, uh, in Qatar. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, you know Lewis obviously made a huge mistake and deterred one. Um, which is on him. I just wish the team had probably, you know, planned out their attack um, a little bit more. I mean, you put Lewis on the softs in P3, um, and you know that he's going to launch off the line. He's always been pretty good at starts. And so, like, you should anticipate that they're going to go three wide into turn one and uh, and sort of discuss how that's going to happen. He did have a lot of room on the, on his left, and he – should have taken control of that. Um, so, yeah, it's just the blame's on him, and it's a very unfortunate situation. I also think Lewis um, has had a long history of getting into bumps and, and having essentially nothing happen because the, the Mercedes is a typically very well-built car, and you've seen him bump people left and right, and they usually fly off the track and he stays on. So he's probably not used to uh, being aggressive and having it uh, backfire on them. So, you know, just a, a poor blunder by him, but a great recovery drive from uh, George, you know, taking it basically from last to fourth 
uh, I think surprised uh, a lot of people, fans and the drivers included. Um, there was a lot of drivers who did talk about that they were like, "How am I being passed by George Russell? He was he was last after lap one." So definitely super drive by George. Uh, but yeah, I think Lewis is like twenty something points behind Sergio. Sergio is two twenty four and. Lewis has 194, so yeah, like 30 points behind him. That's easily catchable, and Lewis could have capitalized in this race with Sergio, um, you know, not doing that great. And um, I think I think Lewis still has a potential for a P2 in the end, and if that's the case, that makes Sergio look even way worse. Um, but it was, you know, it's also these points are important for the Mercedes versus Ferrari battle. Um because I definitely think McLaren's going to pass Aston, and uh, that so that big that big P two spot is the uh, is sort of the real championship fight for these uh, teams this year. But yeah, uh, ultimately I think Toto not being there with the problem. You need that you need the Wolf spirit with you in order for you to perform at your max. Um, but God, yeah, I would have loved to have heard, heard him on the radio. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you one thing about Formula One for me that has definitely changed since 2021. You know, they they had a habit of cutting to Christian and cutting to Toto, especially when the team principals could call, uh, like, Michael Mossy over the radio. Um, yeah. It was just, like, you know, reaction shots from the TPs, and you get Toto fucking smashing his – uh, headset and you know now we get we get very few reaction shots from team pr- principals these days and I think uh, that was part of the allure of Formula One was that like in the garage uh, like off the, in the pit lane drama um, hopefully we get back to that at some point but I understand the reasons why they cut it down but yeah ultimately yeah, kind of like a a, a bittersweet uh, race for Mercedes like some good some bad but uh Hopefully they could pick it up for the rest of the season um, and finish strong. Yeah, I mean, um, I know you want to talk a little bit about the 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 track limits and the and and the, the temperatures on on the track today or this week. Uh, George Russell finished the race. Uh, you could see visibly shaking his hand to get some uh, some air in there going into turn one. Uh, which was incredibly funny, but also concerning to see. Uh, and it's just an indicator of, of some of the effects that the heat had on the drivers this week. Uh, so talk, talk to me, Chris, about what, what, what were your thoughts on just the racing in the heat, you know, the, the, the track limits and the, the tire changes, all of that. What, what, what were your thoughts about all of that this week? Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about the hot topic, the, the racing in the heat. I mean, I, I think every single driver noted that this was the hardest race that they've ever raced in their history of their career. Um, and it was because, you know, typically when the air temperature outside is pretty cool, when you're on a straight, you're getting a cool down effect and you're able to like breathe and, you know, get some cool air flowing into the visor. But, you know, it was basically a hundred degrees even at night in Qatar. And so these drivers for two hours didn't have any, reprieve from the temperatures i mean fernando alonso said he was completely roasting in his car and he asked the team to put water into the cockpit but that's against the rules and so like he really wanted them to douse him with water 
and that's against the rules that they didn't. So he was like literally just crying in his seat. Uh, why am I forgetting his name? Alpine driver, uh, Ernesto. Uh, Esteban. Ocon. Esteban Ocon. Ernesto Ocon. Ernesto. Oh my <laughs> this God. This is I, evil I, brother. I, I completely apologize. He uh, uh, he threw up in his helmet twice. So he's literally racing at a, you know, 200 miles an hour and vomiting in his helmet. Uh, Lance Stroll had to, uh, st- like, I don't know if you saw this video, but Lance Stroll stumbled out of his car after the race and, like, literally fell onto the ambulance and was, like, pounding on the door begging for help. Uh, you know, Logan Sargent had to be pulled out of his car. Like, every driver was just completely and utterly exhausted and sick and, you know, there's definitely a point in which I feel like a driver could have died uh, in racing in these conditions. So I'm just curious, uh, you know, is it is there a point in which you think that, like, it's too unsafe to race or, you know, you know, maybe they need to have these Middle Eastern races in January versus at the tail end of summer? I don't know what the answer is, but uh, I definitely felt like we were teetering on the line of dangerous uh, racing conditions, but uh, it was definitely interesting to see uh, just how exhausted they all were. But it, like, I'm, you know, what are your thoughts? Like, do you do you think it's fine? Do you think like, hey, these are professional athletes, just deal with it, or you know, do you think that there's some concern there? I mean, I guess I kind of teeter back and forth, right? So, in in the NFL, um, there has yet to be a game that, in recent memory at least, that has been completely canceled due to, to weather, right? Uh, we've definitely had rain impact baseball games a lot, football games, uh, but heat hasn't really been a factor. Typically in NFL games, like it's snow sometimes that, that, can, that can impact the game, but most of the time it's rain, right? So anything that affects the natural play of the sport and to to a degree where it just can't, you know, it, there's just really no entertainment in it and it's just kind of frustrating to watch. Um, and it causes different people to, you know, or a lot of people to retire in that game. That, that I mean, that's, that's a bad product to put out there, right? Like that's just not a, a good product to show and it works against the NFL's you know, better and the MLBs like better judgment. I don't say NBA because it's all indoor basketball, but, uh, but for these outdoor sports comps, you know, like if the PGA tour experienced a huge, like, like hurricane or a storm or something like that, they'd probably cancel the tour or reset it for, you know, the, another day. And that's just something that I don't think F1 adheres to because i guess so much goes in to setting up uh a race somewhere right like you have all these teams just taking these mobile like buildings essentially and 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 putting them up and 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 you know tearing them down and getting them ready for travel so i can see logistically it being a complete nightmare to have to uh, postpone a race or or delay it i mean um the the Italian race last year, you know, with the or was it this year, Chris? Uh, the one that got rained out. It was this year, right? 
<laughs> I can't remember. Yes. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, Imola. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a gr- like, you know, they essentially needed a natural disaster to happen. Uh, and for medical staff, that's going to be, you know, like, you know, taken uh, away from from real emergencies that so all of that, you know, kind of made them come to the decision that they shouldn't have a race here. I'm starting to think the same thing is like, you know, for these like Middle Eastern races where, you know, this part of the world is just going to be incredibly hot and, you know, affect the kind of product that you would put out there. Like maybe, yeah, just what's the harm in switching around the time of year that these land on? Um, and, and you know, I, I just don't see. And it also aligns closer with the whole, you know, going more net zero green initiative that these guys are trying to reach right carbon zero or whatever uh, if you consolidate all of these middle eastern races into a time of year where it's much cooler uh you know in that part of the world and put them all together you know at you know i just don't understand why they're going to the middle east and back to the states uh, this this part still confuses me uh i think there there is a way to have races in these parts of the world and still have it be entertaining still have it be you know uh, a really great product and not have all these drivers retire due to like feeling sick and and potentially you know passing out like imagine if logan sargent didn't speak up imagine if he was like i am literally you know about to lose my seat here i need to keep driving you know no matter what what if he just, as he was thinking that, passed out and just like hit the wall, like going 120 miles an hour? Like, you know, is that is that really worth it, right? So I understand. I that mean, FIA, for James Vowles, it would have made a very easy decision for next year's seat. James Vowles, man, what a, what a nice guy! What like the nicest yeah. guy like on on in in F1, you know? Uh, but yeah, I mean, back to my point, I, you know, it's just are the risks justifiable here you know like it, it, i don't think so i think there's a better way to to go about this i think there's a, a way to go about this that doesn't probably cost a whole lot of money to be quite honest uh and still puts out the best product to the to the viewers well, i think we have two easy solutions here we either like like we both said move you know concentrate the middle eastern races at the beginning of the year or we could just take all of that oil money and build the world's first central air indoor track which you know i'm down to i'm down to see them attempt as well that would be crazy if uh, it was something like the the sphere in vegas where the entire <laughs> oh my God, thing, that thing that would be incredible i mean i would totally want to go watch a race there but you know we'll see that that would be that would be an incredible race to see cool yeah 100% let's talk about one other tiny little controversial subject which uh you know, the Pirelli noticed uh, with the addition of the, the new curbs on this track, they, after practice, they noticed some micro tears in the tire that were concerning to them. And so essentially, mere hours before the race kicked off, they institu- you know instituted a mandatory 18 lap uh, maximum tire life for pit stops which essentially forced all drivers to do a minimum of three stops in the race. Um, it completely changed the dynamic of the race. And, you know, what I'm curious about, which I didn't actually hear a lot of people talk about, and maybe there's something I'm missing here, but I just don't feel like 
that's something that they should be able to do after all the teams have made decisions in the sprint race and quality, you know, basing their strategies of which tires to use, which tires to have left for the race, because we saw that people had to split strategies like Lewis going onto the softs and other things based on what tires they had left. But they did this not knowing that they had to do a forced three-stop. And all of a sudden, that changed the game completely. And so I feel like if you make a change like that mere hours before a race, you have to, like, put everyone back to parity and, like, give everyone the same tire allotment for the race and let people choose versus making people choose last minute. And I think it really changed the dynamic of the race and probably put some teams off kilter a little bit. I'm just curious, like, we've talked a lot in the past about F1 making random rules changes mid-season, and now they're doing it mid-race <laughs> mid weekend, but right before a race. And I, I sometimes it's just a little little much. I'm just curious about your thoughts. Uh, you know, should, should they have instituted the rule? Um, you know, and if so, should they have got everybody back to parity, or do you think it was fine as is? Honestly, man, I have no idea what the hell they were thinking. Honestly, man, if you would think, and maybe this is just me not knowing how they test these tires, you would think that Pirelli, once they have a a compound of tires or a set of compounds of tires that they feel like is race-worthy and... the FIA should take a look at it. Don't they test it at every single track, like on a test car or like last year's version of someone's car to just see if these kinds of effects happen way before a race even starts? Like, like, is that too much to ask of a tire vendor whose sole fucking job is to supply tires to the, like to, to the, to all F1 teams. I like, like, is is that too much work? Is that something that's being done and I'm just, like, not wary of it? Like, is that something that should be done consistently throughout the year ahead of, like, these races? I mean, I just don't think they care until they have to. It's pretty much what I get the sense of, of this entire operation that they call F1. They don't really care until someone says something and they have to. Uh, and that's kind of where my thought is on this is yeah. they, they're like, oh, shit, we messed up. There's an issue. We can't in good faith tell you guys to put those drivers out there without, you know, kind of. But we don't want to compromise the race. Right. Y'all put in so much work to put the race up. So let's do this. Let's just knock in like what's the compromise here let's just do a three stopper right like it'll be a no big deal type of thing we'll, like it, it it again man it affects the product at the end of the day that i don't think this version of the race was the best version of the race quite honestly and you and, and i know someone's gonna i know that like more venerable like you know broadcasters or people that have been watching f1 for a long time will say like hey this is just how it is right this is this is just how it is uh and that that sucks to hear because it it also has a denotation of 
it's not going to get any better because we don't really know what better looks like and we don't really care for better. But, you know, I'm kind of tired of seeing this. It's it's the last like luckily, Chris, we haven't really brought up the FIA and their foibles in a couple of races. So I guess they're doing better than not. But this is a big one. Like, you know, why even have the race? Why? Why? And and, and if you are going to have the race, why put in this like last second, like, you know, change of terms that really puts a, a you know, a wrench in everyone's uh, plan. So that that's really all I have to say. Again, I don't really know the full scope of every little minute detail, but by knowing the FIA and kind of like the governing body around these kinds of things, I don't really have a whole lot of faith. I'm kind of just chalking up to the fact that they're not going to do anything until the absolute 11th hour when it's, it's, it's a critical mass. Yep. Um, I could probably talk ad nauseum about some of these changes. Uh, and we could talk more about, you know, the, how, how this decision affected the race in so many different ways. Uh, maybe we could do like a little offshoot episode about it. Cause I think it's important uh, to talk about, but uh, yeah, maybe we can uh, table that for another time and we'll, we can, let's talk about our winners and losers. Um, yeah. Do you want to start us off? Yeah. So yeah, I got, you know, Oscar like has to be a huge winner. Like, Guy wins his first race in Formula One, a sprint race uh, on merit. He, you know, in the sprint shootout, he on merit, you know, uh, you know, some people got some track limit violations and so had their times deleted. But ultimately, that's, you know, part of the rules. And so, you know, Piastri uh, qualified, you know, P1 in the in the shootout and held position and kept it and, you know, finished first. So. Uh, what an astounding weekend for him to, you know, take first in the sprint and uh, take a, a back-to-back podium. Uh, guys firing on all cylinders, as we've said multiple times. And, uh, you know, then just Max, like, solidifying the his third championship. Uh, I watched some of his interviews, and he just has a super level head, like, Max is super hot and fired up when he's in the car and arguing with his uh, work wife, GP. Uh, but off, you know, I don't know whether it's a show or he's putting on a face, but the guy is like such a level head about his future of the sport. Everyone keeps like trying to hound him for like, are you going to go for eight? You know, what's this with that? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, if I have a good car and I, you know, it's exciting, I'll keep going. And if the winds come, they come. And just super, super happy for Max. And then uh, as much as I've hated this guy in the past, uh, George continues to slightly pick up the boxes on my on my list. He's not quite there yet. He's still a little too uh, egotistical and cocky. But, you know, what a great recovery drive by him. Uh, and I definitely think uh, he'll get a few more wins under his belt before he's uh, finished in F1. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much have the same three folks. Uh, you know, Oscar just really. I mean, I'm becoming a fan every week, right? Not just based on his just his performance, but also his mannerisms and the way he's able to yeah. kind of make have this kind of light, you know, uh, 
humor to him, I guess, is the, is the Aussie in him. Uh, but he altogether he's, he's just a great package and a great racer to just watch and, and easy to root for. So definitely happy to see him, you know, going to P2 and then, uh, you know, have a great sprint weekend as well. Uh, George got to got to you know, uh, my heart goes out to him. I think he deserved a P2 uh, this this week uh, just by given how strongly he competed to get himself back up to the front of the grid. Uh, and the fact that he started, you know, in in uh, the top three to to begin with, I think he would have had an amazing race. He would have gotten P two, and he really, you know, just sucks to see him go down like that. Uh, you know, Max, again, uh, congrats, man. <laughs> uh, one more winner I'll put in this week is uh, Alfa Romeo. Both Valtteri Bottas and Joe Guan Yu were in the points this week. Uh, uh, Valtteri coming in at P8 and then Joe coming in at P9. Just really solid stuff, you know. Um, the transition going into next year is going to be uh, fairly significant to see that on the on the grid, you know, not see the Alfa Romeo uh, livery anymore. Uh, and, and I'm curious to see what the fates are for Joe and for Valtteri, uh, in the, in the upcoming silly season, but, you know, good stuff to see from them. I think quietly stayed under the radar, but had a really, really, uh, solid race this week, uh, and picked up some points losers for this week, Chris, uh, I'm going to put, you know, Checo and Lewis, uh, it's not often I put Lewis in the losers corner, but, you know, doesn't really need to be expanded on too much after what we saw in the first turn. Uh, definitely think he's going to find his way back to 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 competing next uh, in this next couple of races, uh, and I think he'll be more wary of making these kinds of super aggressive moves early on in the race because uh, I think I think it's just something that he needed. He needed kind of a kick in the butt because I uh, could kind of feel it coming in the last couple of races, them racing really hard against each other and. Hopefully this is something that makes him think twice uh, next time around. And then just Checo, uh, you know, there's so many things that's just really making him look worse than the need be. If he just lost to Max every single race this year and came in at every podium, he'd probably still definitely have a seat for the next couple of years. But because he is essentially anchoring them down from having a near perfect season um i think is cause for concern for for him and his, his future there so uh those are my losers for the week who do you, who you got for for your losers chris yeah i got i got checo and lewis as well i don't really need to to dive any further we we've kind of hounded that um the one thing i will say about lewis is just uncharacteristic of him you know you know similar to max uh these guys don't uh, crash out very often. They don't make mistakes that often, and they usually can uh, avoid a, t- a total DNF. I mean, up until the point of this uh, turn one in Qatar, Lewis and Max were the only two drivers who had completed every lap of the season, and I think that. And prior to that, it was Lewis, Max, and Alonso, and it's like <laughs> the three world championship. Uh, champions on the track were the only three that had completed every lap. And then, you know, then Alonzo, uh, you know, had the DNF and then Lewis just did. So the, the soul being max, but, you know, these guys are, um, don't make mistakes very often. So when they do, it stands out and that's why he's in the losers column. And I think that we're going to, uh, you know, I, I have Logan in my losers column. I, I didn't put him in my hot seat this week. I considered it. 
Um, but, you know, he ultimately retired due to not feeling well. I think he was battling an illness prior, and then the heat probably just exacerbated the issue. Uh, and the reason why I put him on my loser is just because, like, he is fighting for his future, right? And the you need every opportunity you can to prove that you deserve a seat in F1. And even if you're not crashing the car, um, you know, every week that you don't perform, whether it's like, your fault or you're ill or whatever, it's just another week gone by that's a question mark of, do you deserve to be here? So I think he just had another bad week, uh, his fault or not. Uh, he has a few races left to prove that he belongs there. And even if James promotes him and keeps him, ultimately, I don't think that's the right choice, but uh, he's definitely in my loser's column today. And then, you know, moving down to the hot seat, uh, it's my boy Lance Stroll. You know, I think, uh, you know, there was those rumors flying around that Lawrence Stroll is considering selling the team. And I think that there's probably some truth to that with how Lance reacted this weekend. I mean, he had a poor qualification and then you saw him throw his steering wheel out of the car and he's just mad. And he, there was a, a shot of him going uh, out of the car in the, in the garage and he pushed his trainer. And I just think, you know, Lance knows his future is done. He's days of driving or coming to an end because if Papa Lawrence, you know, Papa Stroll sells the team, Lance is gone instantly, either that or, you know, Papa Stroll told him, start performing or you're gone. So I definitely think that uh, there's some truth. I don't know exactly what's going on, but uh, I think, uh, you know, Lance's days are coming to an end. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. Um, I guess I'll start with Logan. I, I have him in my hot seat this week. I mean, despite kind of the the empathetic messaging that came from James Val and the pit wall uh, about Logan retiring. And if he feels bad, like not to push it, I still think there is an underlying kind of concern of if he's the guy, if he is going to be the person that has the talent and, you know, James Val said that there are markers that these drivers are expected to meet. And I'm not sure if, how close you know Logan is to meeting those markers and if they have to read you know draft the the roadmap for him just given the year that he's had and to account for this uh this this heat stroke is what they're calling it I just don't think that he has shown enough prior to this race to give him the benefit of the doubt after something like this as well even though it's, even if it's totally outside of his realm of control and you know i understand people feeling sick and whatnot but you know other drivers finished the race um even the ones that did felt felt sick afterwards they they finished the race and felt sick afterwards you know they didn't do it during the race so it's just a tough situation to be in um i would have put him in my hot seat irregardless i think uh barring he had he had gotten into points is probably the only way I would not have put him in my hot seat this week. Uh, so he's in my hot seat. Uh, I have Lance Stroll as well. It's interesting to hear you expand on uh, his dad's uh, potential willingness to sell the team. Uh, I'd be curious to see what that looks like. Uh, he, you know, uh, Lance aside, the team itself has been doing really well. So 
if uh, Papa Stroll wants to make that business break, I'd be curious to hear like what his reasoning would be behind that. Uh, and I also put Alonzo in the hot seat because he uh, literally was in a hot seat. Um, and also just didn't have that great of a, of a, of a week. Uh, you know, he went off track a couple of times and, uh, and just a really uncharacteristic kind of sloppy, um, uh, race from Alonzo. So I, I might even just put him in my loser seat, but it doesn't sound as cool. Uh, so, so yeah, those are going to be my hot seats for this week. Uh, realistically, it's going to be uh Sergeant and stroll. Yeah, I can't, you know, it's. Uh, I agree with you completely, and uh, you know we'll see if there's any truth to those rumors, and you know hopefully uh, Alonzo's uh, nuts don't roast off in the next race. Although they'll be in Texas, and uh, so will we. Uh, Going to be my first uh, F1 race live. How about you? Are you is is this your first? This is actually my second. I went to Austin several years back. Uh, when coda first kind of started doing f1 races there and uh it was not anywhere near as popular as it is right now so uh so yeah i'm excited this will be my second time officially back back in coda after almost a decade nice yeah that's uh uh, i'm definitely excited i'm glad that we get to experience it uh together and you know even though the championship's over um I think it'll still be super, super great weekends. Give me another sprint, sprint weekend. So we'll have lots of uh, racing and cars going uh, flat out for the weekend. And I'm definitely pumped and uh, excited to, you know, bring action um, and our reactions, you know, from experiencing it live versus uh, just watching on TV. So very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm incredibly excited. Austin really puts on a great show. Coda is a great uh, just spot to be in. Uh, I, I saw a graphic a couple of weeks ago um, that it is one of the more expensive tickets uh, on the F1 grid, which is unfortunate uh, given that it is such a great venue. And if you know any listener has a chance to get out there, uh, definitely suggest it. Um, so we'll we'll wrap up here with our predictions for the Austin Grand Prix um i think we 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 have very similar uh it looks like podium so i have max in p1 uh lando i think he'll you know despite what i was saying earlier today i think he's going to actually redeem himself and get get himself into p2 position and then i think george russell just kind of uh you know they have a whole week to to re you know recoup from from a tough week I think George had the right head on his shoulder this week, even, you know, going through a tough, hot race. He was able to get himself in a good position. I just think he's going to carry that momentum into Austin. Um, so, so yeah, those are going to be my top three. Who you got for your top three predictions? Yeah, I mean, it's it's impossible not to put Max up front. Um, and I don't think that with the championships locked up, I don't think he's going to take any gas off the pedal. I think he's going to, you know, try to solidify as many wins as he can. And, and rightfully so, he's having an amazing year, and why not finish on top? And then I think we're going to see some more fireworks between uh, Lando and Oscar, and just I think Lando's going to, you know, try to do what he can to to put it back up there. And I, you know, I think expect another double podium, but I could totally be, um, you know, a Mercedes being there in the mix, just depending on pit strategy and things like that. But, you know, I'm going to go for another a triple 
uh, triple, you know, back to back to back podium for McLaren and, you know, and joining them on the uh, Max Verstappen podcast. So, um, but yeah, would, would be happy to see a Mercedes on the podium as well. Yeah. I mean, you and me both, pal. All right, Chris, uh, take <laughs> yeah. us out of here. Yeah, guys, like, uh, yeah, yeah, Simon and I, again, you know, apologies missing, uh, Japan. It was a. Uh, it was great to see McLaren's uh, return there to the podium, double podium for them. But uh, yeah, we very much looking forward to bringing you uh, the action from uh, Coda. And uh, yeah, please, please give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Join the conversation. And yeah, we just really like doing this a lot. And uh, looking forward to many more episodes and uh, going into the next year. Yeah, guys, uh, we'll we'll be posting some live photos and videos from Austin as we'll be there. Uh, you can find that on our Instagram page. It'll be really helpful to just click and you know follow us along as we kind of build us out a little bit further on social. Uh, we're going to be at Fan Team Radio. That's our handle at, on Instagram. Uh, so feel free to give us a follow there. We'll uh, post some cool pictures and really want to make sure that we can start, you know, engaging with you guys in other ways than just a podcast. Uh, we're also at fanteamradio at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any questions or any kind of comments that you guys have. Uh, we'd love to engage with uh, with everyone uh, on there as well. Uh, we'll be back for um, post-Austin race. Uh, we'll have uh, a new episode up as soon as that race wraps up. And, you know, just stay tuned, guys. Yep. Um, looking forward to it, Sam. See you uh, in a, what a week's time or two weeks? Two weeks time looks about. We're okay. uh, this week we're off and we'll be in Austin next week after that. Okay. So see, see you guys then. See you then. Bye, everyone.